Welcome to today's energy show. It's my pleasure to introduce Min Lee. Min's the director of the Solar Energy Technologies Office at the Department of Energy. He's head of DOE's SunShot initiative. Min's goal with SunShot is to find practical ways to reduce the total installed costs for solar power systems of all sizes. Well, welcome to the show, Min. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Right, this is kind of a, an unusual energy show that we're doing because we're actually at a residential installation site in downtown San Jose, and after crawling around on the roof for a while, we're, we're down here in the shade, and we're just going to kind of talk about Sunshot, the opportunities there, and then how we could um, really make solar more cost-effective for the average homeowner all over the country. So just to kind of get started for our listeners, Min, tell, tell me about the Sunshot Initiative. What is it? Well, the Sunshot Initiative, uh, we started planning for this back in 2010 with the premise that uh, in order for any technology, and solar in particular, as a form of renewable energy uh, with no carbon uh, output to reduce our, our carbon emissions in, the, in society, uh, in order for technologies like solar or wind to scale, it needs to be cost effective. It needs to be economically uh, effective so that, um, that for consumers to purchase uh, this technology, uh, you know, free of incentives, etc., uh, uh, that it makes economic sense for them. So beyond the early adopters who might choose solar because uh, it's, uh, it's green, uh, we wanted to make sure that consumers all across the country can choose solar so that it makes economic sense for them to power their homes and businesses. So back in 2010, the cost of solar was probably about four times higher than, than what conventional sources of energy were selling for uh, when you don't factor in the, uh, the various incentives at the uh, state and federal levels. And so, um, you know, with the, the premise behind the Sunshine Initiatives is to enable, through technology innovations and process innovations, to lower that cost, you know, at the utility scale to five or six cents a kilowatt hour, at the residential scale, you know, closer to 10, 11 cents a kilowatt hour, which would be, you know, the prevailing average rates across America. And, and this was a major, major challenge, a challenge akin to, you know, landing a man on the moon, if you will. You know, we're talking about a 4x reduction in the cost of a technology over the period of 10 years. By the end of the decade was the challenge. And so back in 2011, we launched this initiative and challenged you know, our nation's scientists and engineers and, and business and, and, and community leaders to, to enable that cost to come down. And, and we're now in 2014, just about three, four years into this, initi into this initiative, and I'm really excited to report that we're about 60% of the way towards our 2020 objectives. A lot of progress has been made just in the past several years. You know, uh, in 2010, and 13, the, the price of a PV module was about 1% of what it was 35 years prior. And so the, the, the price of the hardware has come down so dramatically, you know, driven a lot through innovation as well as supply chain advances and economies of scale. And what you're seeing now is that the hardware is, is only a small por uh, part of the cost of a system. I had the opportunity this afternoon to uh, go up on the roof with, uh, uh, you know, Barry Cinnamon and his crew at Cinnamon Solar installing, uh, you know, a solar array uh, on, on, a, on a home. And what's really exciting to see here is, number one, solar is a real, you know, opportunity for, for citizens all across America. In fact, we're seeing solar deployed, you know, all across America at a phenomenal rate, you know, 4.75 gigawatts in 2013, you know, and, and we fully expect, you know, close to 6 gigawatts in 2014. And, and that's a far cry from where we were just four or five years ago. In 2009, if you recall, there was about 435 megawatts installed. So in 2014, there was 11 times more solar installed across America than in 2009. And, and so we're seeing this very nice geometric uh, growth 
in installation and, and I got to see you know how people do it how companies like cinnamon solar install solar uh, you know every day across America in terms of the sunshine goals what are the specific targets in terms of dollars per watt for residential and maybe commercial and utility scale so on, a t on in terms of cost per watt which is you know, we think of cost per watt, but we also think of uh, cents per kilowatt hour. But if I just keep it simple, at the cost per watt basis, the utility scale, you know, our goal is, is to have industry sell these systems at roughly $1 per watt. That would translate to about $0.06 cents per kilowatt hour on an LCOE basis uh, w with a, a number of assumptions you know, for interest rates, etc. At the commercial scale, we're looking at targets around $1.25 per watt, and at the residential scale, about $1.50 a watt. We're not there yet. Okay, but there's still a lot of opportunity to get there. And, by the way, these prices are, in many areas, can be very uh, competitive. You don't need to get to $1.50 per watt in California, for example, or in, even in Hawaii, where the price of electricity is, is, uh, is higher than average across the United States. But, you know, the, Sunshine Initiative, the goal behind the Sunshine Initiative is to make solar accessible to Americans all across the country, you know, as far north as, you know, Alaska even, uh, and, and of course in, in island areas where, uh, where we're still burning diesel in order to provide electricity, reliable electricity. There's tremendous opportunity for solar and wind and other renewables to integrate to the grid. Right now here in, in San Jose and around the country, I think the, the average installation costs of a residential system, you know, nothing extraordinary in the range of 4 or $5 a watt. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we get them installed for less. Bigger systems are a little bit less. Now, out of that 4 or $5 a watt, I'm just going to say in, in rough ballpark numbers, maybe a dollar and a half a watt is for the inverters in the solar module. So we've got 2 and a half to $3 a watt mm -hmm. for all the other stuff. That's the, right. the, the labor, the supply chain, whatever. What's Sunshot? doing to try and reduce some of those big costs? What do we call those? Right, so, so there's tremendous opportunity. That's what we refer to as the soft cost. You know, the cost associated uh, with everything except for the hardware. Uh, and, and that includes, of course, the installation labor. It includes uh, permitting, inspection, interconnection, all the paperwork that's required to get the solar you know, to the point where it's actually a functioning part of the nation's grid. That cost can be, can be significant. In fact, if you look at a, an NREL study published in 2013, uh, they found that the, the non-hardware costs, the soft costs, account for about 64% of the cost of a residential system. That's quite high. And what's really interesting is if you look at a parallel study, another study, that was done uh, by RMI in conjunction with Georgia Tech that, that the Sunshine Initiative supported. They looked at the installation, the soft costs in, in, uh, in other countries like Germany and compared it to the average across the United States. And what they found is that you know, for very similar systems, you know, some of the uh, efficiencies and economies of scale practices uh, that installers are doing in other countries uh, you know, uh, make those costs more efficient. In fact, you can buy a residential system in, in Germany for less than you know, 250 or even $2 a watt in, in a lot of cases. And if you think about it, the hardware is almost identical. A solar panel in Germany is the same solar panel as in America. The inverters are slightly different, but it, it doesn't contribute to the, to the cost difference that you see. Um, there are efficiencies that the installers in Germany have found out in terms of installation labor. In fact, I think uh, like 2x the installation labor efficiency uh, can be had through uh, uh, adopting best practices. But the real advantage over in Germany, I think, compared to all across America, is that their permitting and paperwork process is much simpler. And the challenge that we have in America is that we have over 18,000 different jurisdictions all across America. These are towns, cities, municipalities. You know, this is where you go to City Hall to get the permit to, you know, 
put on a roof deck, uh, or so, sorry, a, a deck on, on, or a swimming pool in your house, or any renovation that you do. It's a, it's a very similar type of permitting process. And so there are these municipalities and, 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 and governing authorities having jurisdictions that you have to get these permits from. And the challenge is they're all different. Yeah, it's, it's, all it's across a, America. I mean, it's an absolute killer. I mean, here's the example. We're sitting here in San Jose. San Jose is absolutely terrific when it comes to getting a permit. Over the counter, I can get it in one day. It's $309.60. If I go one city over to the city of Santa Clara, mm -hmm. it's a whole different process. But not only that, they have a different utility district. So if a customer says, what's my payback in San Jose versus what's my payback in Santa Clara, I've got to go through a whole other type of analysis mapping right. in those procedures. And then once the system's done, instead of sending you know, a big pile of paperwork to PG&E, which has also gotten pretty much better, I have to deal with a different utility. Exactly. And, and there's, so there's no economies of scale for me to go 10 miles away to an adjoining city right. because the whole process is different. Yes, exactly. So you know, we, th we like to think of this as red tape. Okay, and when I speak across the country, I tend to draw an analogy back to Steve Jobs and Apple Computer. Back in 1984, actually 1983, a year before the original Mac Classic, well, now we refer to it as Mac Classic, launched, he challenged his team because it took two minutes for that computer to boot up. He challenged his team to think about how to shave 10 seconds out of the boot up time for a computer, and he, and he said it this way. Imagine how many computers will sell next year, but maybe five million. If you can save 10 seconds on every single boot up time, that's like 50 million seconds every single day. Across the course of a year, that's about a dozen lives. Don't you think it's important to save a dozen lives? And so in our rooftop solar challenge program that we ran at the Department of Energy a couple years ago, working with 22 uh, communities all across America, what we found is that on average, they cut their red tape by one week. Well, one week does not sound like much, but across that, in all, across all those different communities across America, uh, you know, one one week of red tape across 600 megawatts of solar installations, representing 40,000 different installations, was 40,000 weeks of red tape. That's about 768 person years of red tape, and and that's about you know 10 lives in just one year. And so I think that there's an opportunity here to cut even more red tape, and that's why we're calling and challenging communities all across America to reduce that red tape, make it easier for your citizens to choose solar, to power your homes and businesses. Because if you do that, you'll actually grow businesses in your area. Imagine that small business, the, 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 the installer who wants to, to grow jobs in, in his or her community. They want to expand. They want to expand from San Jose to you know, you know, Sunnyvale or, or nearby. Um, it takes way too many people, more people, if the permitting processes are different. But if they're the same, they can lower their costs and, and install more systems. And so we're, what we're really talking about is unlocking the opportunity for businesses to grow across America by cutting that red tape. Yeah, it just makes it so much more scalable. At my old company, we had a room full of people, and all they would do would be to keep track of what the rules were in every different town mm -hmm. and every different... And then, not only that, the, the regulations would change. Yes. So there's a new utility rate that comes out in PG&E. There's one that just came out in August. Well, we've got to update everything to handle that. It just makes it very complicated. But let's, let's, I, I love the discussions about things that we can do to solve this problem. What are some more of the initiatives? That, what are the specific things that are happening within SunShot mm -hmm. that are going to reduce these costs? Yes, yeah, so, so let me tell you about one of the programs that we've run at the Department of Energy, uh, out of the Department of Energy uh, since 2007. It's called the, the SunShot Incubator Program. And this is a, this is a program that uh, was originally uh, started out of NREL. And we've worked with uh, probably close to 100 small businesses now, startup companies, to take a technology or, or a product to market as rapidly as possible. 
And what's interesting is that this award program, this grant program from the DOE, might make half a million dollar or a million or several million dollar awards to these small businesses, sometimes two-person companies, sometimes 10 or 20-person companies, to help them grow rapidly. And what's really exciting is that this program has been, been extremely successful. Companies like, you know, Zep Solar, like uh, Innova Lights, which was acquired by DuPont, Tetrasun, which was acquired by, um, by First Solar, companies have taken technologies to the marketplace really rapidly and have been acquired or taken their, their products and scaled it rapidly. Those companies taking an aggregate of roughly $100 million of federal taxpayer funds to develop their technologies have been able to attract close to $2 billion of follow-on private capital, rapidly growing. And so we've also made investments in companies like Solar Mosaic, Clean Power Finance, uh, uh, Clean Power Research, uh, Energy Sage. Uh, some of these companies out here in the Bay Area are really innovating in the IT space to simplify and reduce those costs uh, for uh, for permitting, for customer acquisition. I mean, imagine being able to use satellite and LIDAR imaging to assess the solar suitability of a home from your desktop instead of having to do a truck roll. Imagine the cost savings that you can do that across thousands and thousands of homes. Those are technologies that, we're de that companies that we funded are developing today. Yeah, th those and and the impact of that technology is it makes the installation more efficient. So instead exactly. of sending a salesperson out, I used to have to send somebody out. Salesperson would have to climb up on the roof, measure the roof with a tape measure, see exactly what's going to fit. And now there's tools that we have online where we can just kind of uh, just move these rectangles around and see exactly how many modules right. fit, and then use that basically as the the template to create the building permit and save a lot of time. It's really exciting. I mean, as you pointed out. Uh, you know, a lot of that innovation and cost reduction uh, has been on the backs of the hardware manufacturers, the hardware companies. Uh, and, and, so, and so now, I mean, it, and that's enabled the tremendous growth of solar across America. And, and you're seeing businesses and homeowners alike choose solar. Uh, a lot of the opportunity that remains is, of course, in this non-hardware cost, the soft cost. And there's still plenty of innovation that can be had in this space and, and lots of great opportunity to, to cut those costs. What are some of the new upcoming initiatives at, uh, around SunShot that people could kind of look out for or maybe apply for and, and help reduce some of those solar costs? Well, um, uh, you know, obviously the... Uh, uh, it's congressional budget appropriations, you know, withstanding. Mm -hmm. But some of the areas that we've been uh, making these investments, of course, are working with state and local governments. We're working on, on installation labor, okay, and, and training for our installation workforce. This is an industry that in 2013 grew to roughly 142,000 jobs across America. 142,000 jobs. It grew at roughly 20% year-over-year job growth rate. That's about 9 to 10 times faster than the broader economy. One out of every hundred and I think 150 jobs in 2013 was a solar job. Okay, we need to make sure that the workforce is well trained uh, to serve those, the needs of the industry. Uh, you know, in 2014, we might end a year with close to 165, 170,000 jobs in the solar sector. And so we have this network that's called the Solar Instructor Training Network of close to 400 community colleges all across America in, I believe, 49 different states to train uh, workers at community colleges to become solar installers or to educate, uh, you know, code officials, you know, inspectors to, to know what to look for on solar systems. So it's a really exciting network. We're looking to expand that. Uh, there's great opportunities in the integration of solar with the building, HVAC systems, appliances, as well as energy storage. And uh, what you're seeing now is that as solar has grown to roughly 1.15% of our nation's electricity generation capacity, you're going to start to see that increase. Okay, 
to become a very significant fraction of our, uh, of our generating capacity. It's going to cause challenges in integrating with the grid. Our nation's electric grid was designed in, you know, by Thomas Edison back in the 1880s on Manhattan, right? George so, Westinghouse. Uh, and, and Westinghouse, exactly. So, so that model was where you have central power generation, a power plant that's relocated somewhere near a city with transmission lines and distribution networks and power lines that go to our, our home business and factories. That model is being changed whereby you still have those central utility assets, but you now have empowerments of the consumer, of businesses, putting solar on their homes, their businesses. That has potential to send power the other way around, okay, up the feeder. Okay, and, and, of course, that means there's technical challenges associated with that because the system wasn't designed like that, but it creates opportunities. Uh, to make the, res the grid much more resilient. Well, the example here, we're sitting in San Jose, and this house is going to have a 6-kilowatt system on the roof, and during the day, when they're not using it, those electrons are going to go to all the neighboring houses. It never even gets onto the feeder. It never right. even gets out of the neighborhood. This little house is going to power the ones around it during the middle of the day. And that's very exciting because it potentially can reduce the... Uh, uh, demand for for the grid, especially during the peak hours of the day, you know, uh, you know, somewhere between noon and, and five six p.m., uh, it's going to be able to reduce the uh, the neighborhood's consumption and basically, uh, you know, uh, help support the grid, especially in the very hot summer days when there's there's huge demand for air conditioning. Yeah, now the whole the whole thing about sunshine's terrific, and you know, forty five years ago we we landed on the moon, and and hopefully six or seven years from now we'll we'll accomplish all those goals. What else do you want to tell people about the Sunshine Initiative? It's it's really exciting. I think uh, it, what we really are looking for are innovators all across the country to to help drive down those costs. And, and some of that cost is through scale. You know, when more and more people choose solar, uh, what, what they're going to see is that uh, uh, the cost of solar is going to come down uh, for the next person, but certainly for yourself as well. Uh, you're seeing businesses choose solar, okay, and, and at a very phenomenal rate. And so it's just really exciting to see that. And I can tell you, innovation is not done. There's still innovation. Every single day I go to, go to work, I get to see something new. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and there are ideas cropping up left and right at our nation's laboratories, uh, at, in academia, in you know, building you know, higher efficient solar cells, uh, new ways to use those solar cells, cheaper manufacturing methods. We have great innovators in America, across America, that can, uh, can solve these problems for us. Yeah, it's it's the, the the potential for residential is absolutely terrific, and then you see these big utility solar plants going up all over the place. One of the areas that seems to be a little bit quiet is the potential for commercial rooftop solar. Mm -hmm. And I used to do a lot of commercial installations. Now here at Sim Solar, we're just doing residential. But w what do you see happening to make uh, to make it easier for small right. and medium sized businesses and factories to put in solar? Oh, exactly. So I think that that opportunity uh, certainly has a lot of potential as well. Um, but before I address the commercial-scale solar markets, uh, let me talk about the community and shared solar. And uh, this is an effort uh, that Department of Energy has been working on for several years now. And uh, we put a, uh, quite a bit of a spotlight on uh, community and shared solar uh, business models. And you're starting to see some traction in the space. Um, more and more uh, organizations are getting together to pool together assets to develop a community and shared solar projects. It's a great opportunity also for utilities to get in the game, uh, to work with their customers on, on, on buying part or having a fractional part of a solar array, uh, because there are economies of scale when you build a, you know, a larger system uh, and you divide it up. So, so that's one. Uh, secondly, uh, you asked a question about commercial-scale solar. I agree with you. There's, there's a tremendous opportunity there. You know, in certain states, uh, the commercial-scale solar took off a little faster. But what you're seeing now is a groundswell. And businesses, uh, just several months ago, 
uh, uh, I was in Mountain View uh, with President Obama, and he announced that businesses were making commitments to choose solar to power their businesses, like Walmart. And, and these businesses are taking that leadership to show that you know it, it's not just being green, but it's also an economic choice for them. It makes economic sense. And when those leaders are looking at their bottom line and choosing solar, others will follow. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's always been a lot of opportunity just here in Silicon Valley for solar for commercial rooftops. And and when we kind of look at the payback, I mean, this house over here, five or six or seven year payback with solar. If we talk to a commercial customer, because the permitting and the fixed cost and the, the, the electoral requirements that you need on a commercial building are so high, they also have like a five or six year payback. Mm -hmm. And once you're up over about five years for a commercial customer, it's kind of tough to, to, to right. rationalize. But I think there's opportunity there because um, in California especially, there's commercial PACE programs. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, if a business, a business sh should probably be investing in their core business, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but within a five-year payback time, they can see why that makes sense for them. But getting that financing capital, okay, the capital to buy something up front uh, can be a challenge for a lot of small and medium-sized businesses because they want to invest that capital in their own expansion of their business, right? And so, so that's where commercial PACE programs that are organized by the state or the local governments can be a tremendous lever in, in pushing uh, commercial-scale solar forward. Yeah, PACE is great. Pa um, San Jose recently put a PACE program in place, mm -hmm. and we're now seeing a lot of customers saying, hey, you know, I can, I can take out a bank loan, or I can use some of the money I have saved up, or I, can, or I can do this with PACE. And even though the interest rate's a little bit higher with PACE, it works out to be about mm -hmm. the same as a, as a home equity loan. They're, they're very happy. It's terrific. But it has to be localized. So San Jose right. has a program, but Saratoga right. and Campbell do not. And, and certainly on, on the residential PACE program, uh, there are challenges because of subordination uh, with uh, you know, primary mortgages, first mortgages. And so, so that's why I think the commercial PACE side is going to find it a lot easier and, and a lot more traction in the marketplace. And, and that provides that liquid capital for businesses to, to choose uh, to, to, to solar. Well, uh, Min, this is a great review and overview of, of uh, SunShot and the Solar Initiative. Um, how did you get into solar? What's your, what's your background there? So, so actually, I, uh, I, was, I was concerned about energy back in, in high school. And so uh, when I went to college, uh, um, I focused on energy. And, uh, and it was actually nuclear energy, plasma fusion, actually, <laughs> uh, at MIT. Building uh, 24. Exactly. And um, <laughs> I took a class, actually, from uh, Professor Ellie Sachs, who ended up, you know, uh, he, ended up, he founded the technology that was the basis for Evergreen Solar and, and then now 1366. But I actually took a class from uh, Professor Sachs uh, back, back in college. And, um, and I remember that class. And so, uh, you know, I spent a decade in the semiconductor industry, you know, building very, very high-speed computer chips. And I had the opportunity to, uh, to join, uh, you know, solar company Evergreen Solar uh, a number of years back. And, and so I entered the field officially back in 2006, even though back in the mid-'90s I was studying, um, you know, solar technology. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's the kind of thing that kind of gets under your skin. I started the same way in high school. I was interested in energy and same basic path, except at that point in the, in the late seventies, there wasn't there weren't any formal solar programs. But you know, people once you kind of get bit by the bug, you go with it. So that's been great. Well, anything else you want to add, Min? No, I think it's been really exciting to see the growth of solar all across America, and I really appreciated the opportunity to get on the rooftop and uh, see how you guys do uh, a solar installation out in San Jose. So that was really exciting. Uh, to see uh, the stuff actually go go on rooftops and uh, and, and reduce the electric bills for the you know, Americans in this community.
Good, good. We picked a great day for it. Thanks for joining us. Um, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. Thank you.